See, amen. Go ahead. Praise the Lord. See, that story and millions more like it can only be obtained because Jesus rose from the grave, because he kicked the door out of hell and death and gave us victory and hope and the power to walk away from whatever entangles us, ensnares us, addicts us, whatever, takes our focus where it should not be. And so incredible story, so proud of Alexis. All right, we have four doors. The first door is the door that we call the door that is way beyond reach. It is a door that is so far out there. But this door is familiar to most of us, especially those who tried God and it didn't work out. You prayed and God didn't show up. You asked God to heal that loved one or get you out of jail. You asked God to help you with a bind and, and it didn't seem to work out the way you wanted to. So if God exists, there's no question he's a million miles away. And there's no way that I can jump to and open that door. Look, I have so few relationships that are successful. People think, why would a relationship with God be any different? Does that make sense? Again, he's out there. If he's out there, he's not concerned about me. So even though I try to, even though I try to get him, it just seems to, it seems to, it, it just gets away. It's a door that can't be reached. You know people that see God like that? He's just so far out there. Now what we have to realize that is this, is if you have any inkling that the Bible is true, this view of God is so unbiblical because God is so accessible. That's what the scripture says. When Adam and Eve sinned and, and uh, walked away from God, it was not Adam and Eve that were looking for God. It was God that went after Adam and Eve. It was not them that would chase God down and beg forgiveness. No, it was God who said, Adam, where are you? As Adam was hiding behind the bush trying to stay away from God. God chased them down as they hid from him. So believe it or not, like it or not, agree with it or not, God is here and God loves you. And the door that God has for you is not so far out of reach. There's a second door. It's the door of the builder's way. It's the worker's way. It is the door that's never done. We never get finished. We never build enough. We never can get far enough. It's just the door that's never done. This is the most popular of all the four doors because this is what we do. We go to church, some of us. We, we attend, we serve, we give. There are people that go to mosques and they go to temples and they go to Hindu things and they go to Eastern mysticists and gurus and they go all these things working their way, hoping that one day they will be good enough. In the Hindu faith, if you, you know, you get better and better, you keep being reincarnated until you finally get it right. You've got to work your way and work your way and work your way. Hopefully, one day if we work hard enough, God will be happy with our works. Well, religion is, the, is what works is all about. This door is about religion. It is working my way to God, getting good enough for God. The problem is that work doesn't seem to really work, does it? Solomon said, the wisest man that ever lived, it's, it's chasing after the wind, vanity of vanity, it's striving after that thing that cannot be opened. And so the, much of the world believes this and works this way. If this, if this door really worked, then can I tell you something? 
the, most of the world would know God because most of the world is religious, isn't it? But if you study history and you look at current events globally today, religion has been a huge proponent of many of the problems humanity has faced since we've been humanity. Religion causes problems. It doesn't open a door to God. See, real love and true abundant life does not come from building your own door. You can't make your way. You can't get your way. The scripture is clear that the, the, the Bible says that the, the way to freedom and forgiveness, healing and wholeness is a free gift. It's not a result of my works or your works. Unless any of us could boast and brag and say, I made my way to God. I did it. I got to him. See, if, if working our way to God would work, then Jesus need not have left heaven and come to earth and lived a perfect life and die on a cross. Jesus came and died on a cross because our church attendance, our good works, all that we can do simply cannot open the door. Does that make sense? You can't build your own door. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, it is by faith through grace that you're saved, and it is a gift of God. Romans 3.23 says, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means if you walk through a thousand doors, you got to pick the perfect door every time. We've all walked through a wrong door, haven't we? We've all stepped into sin. We've stepped into stupid. We know that. We understand that. We're all in the same boat. If you live on this planet, you're in that boat. And none of us is good enough or has, has worked hard enough or has prayed enough or given enough that we can build our way to God. There's not enough good building materials. You simply cannot do it. Does that make sense? The third door is the blocked door. It's the door that's boarded up and nailed shut by something your grandmother probably called sin. See, in our politically correct culture, we don't like the term sin. We don't like that word, but it, you can, it can be better known as things like death, disease, poverty, shame, separation, and a million other outcomes because every problem on the planet is caused by sin. Someone else's, yours, somebody's. See, it all began when Adam and Eve walked out the door of God's presence and away from him and tried to do it their own way. Ever since that day, mankind has been trying to find another door. Again, that aloof door that's so far away or that, that, that works door, that block door. We, well, all these things that we try to do the fact is that there's sin all around us and everybody that came before us in our heart and our thoughts and our minds and our actions. Would you agree with that? All you got to do is look at current event. School mass shootings, prejudice and protest, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, sexual assault, sex trafficking, greed, corruption, politics and global escalation, all kind of things around us are happening. There's no question that sin is involved. We live in the information age, don't we? Humanity has never been more connected and yet never, and more informed and yet never farther apart or more misled than we have been any time in history. Think about it. See, this deception, this, this divisiveness wants to trap us on the wrong side of the door of sin that's nailed shut. It wants us to walk through death and destruction and devastation that ruins 
families and peoples and health and hope and joy, community, and our very own souls. So what are we going to do? What, what are we going to do? Romans 6, 23 says this, for the wages of sin is death. Now, we've all agreed that we sin. We've all agreed that, and we realize that we, when we sin, we get paid for that. That's what a wage is, and that is death. And the second half of that verse is, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And yet some people today have the feeling that there's no hope for a life filled with abundance, with love, with acceptance, that it's, it's, just, it's just out of my reach. See, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. Nobody knows the things that I've done. You don't know the people I've hurt. You don't know the things I've done when the lights are off. You just don't realize. If you knew what, if you knew what I had done, and see, that's how people feel. Is that right? And that's why they look at a boarded-up door. You just don't realize. Come on, there's no way that he would forgive me after all that I've done. And yet, many of you know me, and grew up in a broken home, sexually abused, physically abused, got high for the first time when I was 10. <clears throat> I was in the fourth grade. Ended up being a drug addict, needle freak, shooting coke, staying high every day, all day, busted in trouble, and then overdosed and ended up in a hospital room. You see, if, if I would have looked at the door and said, there's no way, look at all your sin, Chris. It's piled up to the sky. There's no way. But in that hospital room, when I was so far from God and my sin was piled to the ceiling, I realized there was a fourth door. It's the best door. It's the real door. It's the best way. It's the only way. You can't pry the door to heaven open. You can't build a door to heaven. You can't reach up to door. You really can't even knock on that door yourself. But all we can do is wait for God to open the door. Can I tell you, I got some great news. Because Jesus rose from the grave, because Jesus defeated death and hell, because he came and paid for our sins, the door to heaven is open. It is open right now because God became a man and came to earth and a man named Jesus on Christmas. He, was, he lived 33 and a half years. He never sinned. And then he allowed himself to be crucified on a, on a cross. Perfect love never suffered himself, but never sinned himself, but was waiting for the exact time to allow himself to be arrested tortured, skinned alive, and hung on a cross and executed for our sins for something he didn't do. A sacrifice to take away though all the things that we broke. A sacrifice to look at the door that was blocked by our sin and to rip that door apart. See, on Easter morning, it's the Easter is not the beginning of a religion. Easter is a historical event that opened the door for us as he kicked open the grave for us to walk in abundance and freedom and wholeness and healing and health and joy and victory here and then heaven forever. See, Jesus made a way. That's what each was all about. My mercy. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I'm the door. There is no other door into the sheepfold. Anyone who tries to get in other than through me is a thief and a robber. That's the only door. It's the only way to heaven. 
So you don't need to sort of sneak in and peer inside like, like you would if your dad was mad and say, can I come in? No, no. Matter of fact, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart knocking, saying, if you'll hear me and come and open, open your heart, I'll come into you and we will fellowship. We will sup together. See, the way was made by Jesus and he awaits us to step into a new experience a new faith and a new walk. See, a lot of us see God like maybe we have, well, we've seen our earthly dad. We see God like he's far away or he's angry at us. And that even if we do walk through the open door, God just can't wait to bust us and tell us how stupid we were. But can I tell you, Jesus painted the perfect picture of the father in his story in Luke 15 of the prodigal son. The prodigal went to his father and said, I want my money, I wish you were dead, give me my inheritance. The father gave him the money, but he put it in beef for a boogie, and it was party. Wine, women, drugs, a whole deal until, I don't know when none of us know how long, but he ran out of money. He ran out of friends, he ran out of time, he ran out of food, and there he was in the hog pen. And in the hog pen, he had a revelation. He had a revelation. He said, you know what? The guys that work for my dad back on the farm, they've got it better than I do. I'm gonna go back. And I'm gonna tell my dad, I'm so sorry, I blew it. I'm no longer worried that he even have your last name. But if you would just give me a job, I'll live in the bunkhouse, I'll tend your flocks, I will, I will, I'll cultivate your farm if you'll just let me be a hired hand. He makes his way in that long journey home, rehearsing and rehearsing that what he will tell his father. What he did not know because he had a wrong vantage point of the father. Every day the father sat on the front porch looking, waiting for his son to come home, watching the horizon for the prodigal. And then one day the father's on the front porch and he sees a little speck and he watches it gets bigger. It gets closer and it's a lot smaller than his son was, but he recognizes that walk and he does what no good Jewish man would do. He grabs his robe and he ties it up and he runs down that dusty road. He grabs up his boy, begins to hug him, weeping over him and the son begins his or her speech, dad, I have blown it, I'm no longer, the dad never hears a word. The dad wasn't waiting there to say, you blew the inheritance, I worked all my life, no. The dad grabs him up, kisses him on the cheek, looks at the boy and says, hey, bring a new robe and bring some new sandals and bring the ring of authority to put on his hand and kill the fatted calf because my son that was dead is alive. See, when we walk through that door, when we take that step of faith and see faith is just, that's a response to the open door. When we step in, there's not an angry God waiting. There's not a God waiting to squash you like a bug. There's a God waiting with his arms held open, Jehovah. He is waiting to welcome you in. It is the only doorway to freedom and forgiveness, to healing and wholeness, to real, true adoption and abundant life. See, God wants you inside, not outside. Are you with me? He wants you into his kingdom. He wants you into his heart, not the world. Come on, he wants you in. If you'll just walk through, he's here now to give healing, to give salvation. He's here to open the door for abundant life if you're ready. So here's how, here's how it works. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, Easter, you'll be saved. For the heart we believe resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth we confess resulting in salvation. 
It is the only way to the unlimited, abundant, eternal life. The world sees a multitude of doors, but can I tell you, there's only one. God says, there's one door, there's one way. Now some of you say, I'm a Christian. I, I went to church, I grew up in church, but you don't have a relationship with God. Today you're gonna start. Today you're gonna step through the open door and say yes to the abundant life. In just a second, we're gonna pray together and we're, we're gonna pray it out loud with you. And if you're ready to, this, this prayer is doing this right here. Listen, this prayer is just taking a step of faith and believing what the Word of God says, that, that you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you are just gonna step in. And as you do, God the Father, I never knew the love of a dad. I never knew it until the day after the overdose in the hospital when I stepped through the fourth door and I got the, I got the most incredible hug and love I've ever experienced. So at all of our campuses, God behind bars, man, come on, at Campbell and Anderson, at all of our campuses, we're all over East Tennessee and online. Just bow your head with us. Pray this prayer with us. Dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned and I am so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Today, by faith, I step through the door of salvation by grace through faith. Now I will live for you. Now still with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just meant that and you opened your heart up to Jesus, would you just slip your hand up? Nobody looking around. Come on, just slip it up. All right, all right. Okay, all right. Holy moly. All right, all right. Okay, all right, put them down. Why don't you look up here? Now, it's probably 50 hands that just went up. 50 hands that said, I just took a step of faith and stepped through. Now, God has done an incredible work. An incredible work. And so, man, God has, God has broken the door down. That door is now no longer blocked. You don't have to build your way, work your way. You have stepped in. Now, our next step after we take, our first step is by faith through the door. Our second faith is into the baptistry. Why? Because God did not create faith to cower behind a closed door. Being baptized is putting on the uniform. Baptism is not a religious ritual. It is a symbolic act that your sins have just been washed away, not by the water in the tub, but by the blood that was shed on Calvary 2,000 years ago. And so as you step out, we're, we're gonna go, we're gonna go, we're gonna go public. Man, we're just gonna, we're gonna step out and step through, amen? See, Jesus died publicly, didn't he? He, he rose from the grace publicly, 500 witnesses, the Bible says. And so your next step is, is, is baptist, baptism. But you say, wait, I'm not ready, I didn't come prepared. Remember I told you when I started this message that we prayed for you and we prepared for you? We got shorts, we're gonna give you a t-shirt. You can take the t-shirt home. We got towels, we got hair dryers, ladies, we got everything you need. We got all kind of separate places to get, to get changed and then to get changed back after you get baptized. And so, but if you are fifth grade or under, you have to attend a baptism class. So if you move today 
If you go back with the rest of the folks after this service, then you will, you'll get signed up for a baptism class because fifth grade and under, we, we, we take extra time with. But if you're ready, and about 50 people, by my best guess, said, I just opened my heart to Jesus. If you're ready to obey him, if you're ready to take now step one and step two, the first sermon, day one on the church, Peter preached, 3,000 people did what you just said. They acknowledged that Jesus was Lord. As soon as that was done, they all marched down to the Jordan River, ice cold. Water's warm today. I baptized in the Jordan River, probably 150 people. And let me tell you, it was cold. And so they just marched down and they were baptized. They didn't have towels or hair dryers. Or they just went down there and they followed Jesus. And so if you're ready, just take your next step. It's Romans 6, 4 said, we're buried with him in baptism like unto his death, just as the Father raised him, so we too shall be raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Now, some of you, some of you already, some of you got saved a while back, but you still haven't. Baptism comes after salvation. And so if you're ready, I'm going to count to three, and then we're going to head straight back. At all of our campuses, we're just going to move straight back. Are you ready? Are you, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. On the count of three, if there's only one or 100, you be the one. Here we go. One, two. change clothes, walk around that back, and then they'll get one of those three tubs, and we'll just shout our brains out. It's happening to all of our camps, so you can get up and go back. Now, here's the deal. Some of you gave your heart to Jesus, but your family's not here, and you need to, you want your parents, or you want your friends, or your kids, or somebody here with you, and that's great. If that's you, take the communication card out in front of you. Online, you can go to the chat room, or you can click right there on the communication card. God behind bars, guys, we'll be ready for you. If we can't do it this weekend, we'll talk with the warden and the chaplain and we'll get it where we can set up baptism in the next few weeks. Pastor Brandon's working on that. And so take the communication card, give your name, cell phone, email, and just check the box. I prayed with the pastor. And then down, look at the service and then put the service next week that you want to be baptized. We'll be ready for you. And so just, just mark that down, put it down. And so, man, let's, let's do what God said. Amen? Amen? Now, we fill those cards out because the offering bucks are going to buy in a minute and you just put those cards in. This is why we give generously at Faith Promise Church. You remember what it was like? I mean, remember the day that God stepped out of heaven on Christmas? He stepped out of heaven. You remember when he stepped out of heaven and into your heart when you walked through the door, the door number four? Do you remember that? When you gave your heart to Jesus? So as we continue to worship, and the band's coming back out, we're going to worship. Our part of our worship is going to be through generosity. If you're a Christ follower, man, we, we're grateful that you're here. But, but Christ followers are generous people. Faith Promise is a generous church. And we give. Why? So that we can see what we just saw. And so if you're a guest with us this weekend, 
if you'll, if this week, if you'll just do fill out the communication card, drop in the offering box bucket, that's all we ask of you. We don't care about your money. We care about your heart. We want so much more for you than we want from you. We actually just want you to come back and experience what God is doing every single week. And so, but as we give, and many have given all week long online, about 80% of our, of Michelle and I do that. Most of us do that. Some give through the kiosk, some give through text, and some give in the offering, but we're gonna give to God. We are generous because he loved us first. God gave first, didn't he? He, God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, the just for the unjust, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So as we follow him, we just become generous. So as the ushers come forward again, put those cards in there. I'm going to pray, God, thank you for the people that just gave their heart to Jesus, about 50. Thank you, God, for all those that got up to go follow you in believer's baptism. Thank you, God, that across five other campuses, the very same thing is happening right now. Thank you, God, throughout, throughout this whole harvest week. It's going to be an incredible move of God. It has been, and it will continue to be. So, God, we ask you to move. We ask you to bless the gift and the giver and use it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. give him a shout as we get ready to give.